Welcome, everybody, to episode 214 of the Metabolus 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And I am David. So you watched The Flux. I, I did watch Flux. <laughs> yeah, all, all in one sitting when we, Whoa. when we got the sad news you didn't get the abominable snowman for your birthday present. And yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to let ha- down there. Fam, well, I'm going to have to now gently prod to see whether it's been put on the, my list of gifts for Christmas. Mm. Um, if it hasn't been, then I'm probably going to sneak a copy in actually really quite soon. So hopefully we'll be able to do that in the next couple of podcasts possibly. Yeah. Really depends on what my family are up to in terms of gifts to me. And obviously it would be rude to like, I'm just going to buy it and then you know, <laughs> they give it to me. You know. Yeah. Well, it's it. sometime in the next three months we'll be... We'll be doing the snowman. snowman. Absolutely. But, but I mean, uh, the, the matter in hand is, um, is, the, is the whole Flux situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's six hours. You sat down and watched all the Flux. I did. Why uh, me? Rita joined me for the first one, and then she went to bed, and I sort of like, all right, I am going to sit here and let Flux wash over me and get the whole Flux experience. <laughs> So I'm, I'm just going to jump in quickly. Um, my first reaction to Flux is because I you know, had a pretty classical education mm-hmm. and was made to read a lot of Shakespeare, um, The Bloody Flux. <laughs> um, it's basically diarrhea. Hmm. In Shakespeare's time, that's what it was. That, that was, was another name for that kind of stomach ailment. Mm. Was the flux. Oh, okay. So I, I gotcha. um, when you say the flux washes over me, I go like, ah! Um, and and <laughs> in general... You're not saying Chibnall's story was diarrhea. You're saying the malady... Oh, the malady was called the, the bloody was called the flux. Yeah, so I mean dysentery t- technically. So it was called the bloody flux. Um, Doctor Who uh, dysentery. Yeah. So I, I, if I'd been sitting in the writers' room with Chib and he was going like, you know what we'll call this? I think flux sounds good. I will go no, Chib. Boy, Chib, no. Don't call it that because it, at least one watcher will just inst- instantly think of, 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 of dysentery in Henry V. Because he died. Henry Thrift died of the bloody flux. So we can tell that uh, Pierce Wenger and Charlotte Moore probably weren't classically or classicist or have a I, I, have I, the I, same educational background. Yeah, I don't know why they, why no one called them on that, but um, no one did. So it's called the flux. It's great, you know. And actually, you know, it's a it's a it's a kind of transdimensional universal dysentery that kind of sweeps across the universe killing everybody yeah. isn't it really in some ways but anyway yeah. so carry on Webs everyone else. Um, so I, I i rudely interrupted you you watched all six hours of the flux and and it was fine it was a video game that that's what it reminded me that was my my key takeaway this was doctor who a modern video game where you have your cast of characters they come in they come out they have Somewhat interesting backstories. Uh, the celebrity historic characters were, I think, well used and interesting. Um, I think probably the best way to go about this is go episode by episode and and go into it. Well, this, I mean, what, when you say video game, that's fascinating because that is exactly what I thought about oh, it. Wow! I thought, okay, these are. Well-rounded, fleshed-out characters in the sense of it's a video mm-hmm. game. So it's you know it's like it's that they're characters in the same way that Link is a character in Zelda. Mm-hmm. Like he's a character, but he's also not right. a character. 
I, again, the walk-on historical characters were like, oh, yes, it's like the, the video game has gone to the Crimea and they've met Mary Seacole, and here she is. And this is actually not the fault of the writing, but I think, you know, down to the pandemic, there was, it was like a video game because there was a lot of frantic action yep. and then there was a lot of standing still in an environment that was very beautifully mo- modelled in CGI. Yep. Um, so basically it was like a series of cutscenes and then a series of action cutscene action it was yes and i that's a that's really interesting because that was exactly my exactly my take on it as well mm-hmm. and i think the use of the well certainly the cybermen and the daleks where we have license to them we're going to throw a cameo in we have this cgi art for it we're going to throw them in they didn't really have much of a role at all no they didn't i mean they were too there was too much going on I think the episodes that worked best for me were the episodes that were more kind of standalone right. um, and had a single villain. Um, and we can come on to which ones those are. But there were too many villains. And, you know, in a kind of Cyberman sort of way, I didn't really understand what anyone's plan was, even if they had a plan. And I didn't really understand how everything was resolved in the end, apart from, uh, I don't know, a big explosion, um, which again was kind of video video yeah. game like yeah. uh too many too many i mean there was some great i mean you know the 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 the, the kind of you know, design and kind of realization of the antagonists was excellent mm-hmm. swarm and azure I think. look they looked fantastic um mm-hmm. what they were where they came from and where they went to unclear mm-hmm. to me why they started out as like in disguise as humans mm-hmm. Don't yeah. know what happened to them in the end. Not sure. So yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they look great though. Uh, overall impression, you were right when you said that Chibnall doubled down on the timeless children. This um, doubled down on timeless children. I thought Joe Martin was criminally unused Still, yeah. in her episode and. Uh, we'll get to it on Once Upon Time, but I think Chibnall should have had less Whitaker. It should have been a Whitaker light episode with her just briefly flickering in right. with Joe Martin in there. Uh, I thought it was pretty interesting or having uh, Dan and Yaz and Vinder uh, swap in for the characters in each other's timelines when they were being hidden from the Flux. That worked well. I would have had more of the character that they were supposed to be, but you know that's that's you know that's a directorial uh, production decision. So Chibnall probably got what he wanted there. Yeah, I think just basically a video game uh, with a level of depth, level of characterization. It did seem like a series of mini adventures, tasks that the doctor had to get through exactly. uh, to to advance to the big bad at the end. And the big bad was not really, it was time itself and 
personified as Swarm and then the Doctor, and it just was mm, kind of anticlimactic, but then I'm not sure what I was expecting. Yeah, that's an excellent summary. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I think this idea of a series of tasks, it's a its a video game. It's a video game. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll, I just thought there were too many characters. I'm looking at the summary here on Wikipedia because obviously it's been a while since I've watched this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole Grand Serpent thing was like, oh, what's this? The right. um, Liverpool, uh, what's his name, uh, with Joseph Williamson, who was, you know, obviously was a real person. Like, uh, what's all that about? You know, there's uh, the idea that there like, was a bunch of stuff that they would they wanted to put in. Maybe, you know, because this was a compressed season from what they had been planning before the pandemic. I would, I mean, you know, I think everyone knows that, you know, the rule to good writing is that if a piece of writing isn't working, throw out your best idea, hmm. you know, the thing that you're desperate to keep. And I just think they just kept everything in. Hmm. They compressed something down to what they could do on, you know, on a single soundstage with, you know, everyone wearing masks, um, but just kept everything. Um, and it was just too much. And, you know, maybe, maybe again, this is, this is, you know, us becoming older fans. Maybe younger fans were like, yay, this is like really confusing and there's a lot of stuff happening. This is what we like. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I ended up not wanting there to be less of it. And like <laughs> you, I, I didn't really understand or actually sadly care what happened at the end because I didn't really know what was going on. I think the bit with Yaz and her sister on the couch and her sister saying, well, no one calls these video games anymore, was a tell. (laughs) I think that probably put the idea that, oh, yeah, this is a video game, but no one calls them video games, Grandpa, uh, (laughs) in there. So I think it probably resonates with this generation, new generation of viewers, because it just reminded me entirely of a modern contemporary uh, immersive 3d video game um and will this is something i've been thinking about that i think we might actually come on to when we discuss the subsequent dalek and sea devil episodes Eve of the Daleks, yeah. yeah there seems to be a lot of uh, i'm trying to try to formulate it in my head i mean obviously everyone goes on about fan service like you know they're just serving the fans which is you know great because we're fans mm-hmm. and you know obviously people talk about you know what was so great about someone like robert holmes is that you know he gave you just enough just enough information about a future society that you could then use your imagination to build it right with this there seems to be a kind of um with with chibnall there seems a kind of a a not entirely successful kind of melding of those two concepts whereas there is we are given so little character information that actually fans kind of build these characters in their own heads and then the show starts to reflect those characters as it continues and i'm not entirely sure that's how this should be Mm. the carbonista character um again i mean i had a huge problem with the lupari because like okay well where were they every other time and also (laughs) yeah that's a cool idea because they're space dogs and like dogs really like humans so like each lupari is like matched onto a human okay i get that Mm -hmm. if you give it like more than two seconds thought you realize well that's really just not logical or possible i mean obviously none of doctor is possible but it just makes mm-hmm. it literally doesn't make sense mm-hmm. but everybody likes dogs as i'm continually reminded as i walk through the streets of minneapolis getting attacked by dogs <laughs> and um why not have some dog aliens that are like cute like dogs are mm-hmm. without actually kind of really working out what that means and um as i said i mean whereas you just agree with me where were they every other time this happened yeah 
Well, yeah. if you look at Flux as a standalone Doctor Who movie slash video game experience, it has its own, I think, internal consistency. And if you don't add the whole Doctor Who continuity, like where were the, the Lupari in the past, they made sense for the story. Yeah. But as a Doctor Who expanded universe type thing... I'm no longer the opinion that the doctor is one person, one entity through time, many different faces, many different personalities. I see each series, each doctor now more or less as a reboot. The Pertwee era is significantly different or different enough from the Troughton era that you could view those shows as their own thing. And there was more bleed over like between Pertwee and Tom Baker for maybe that first season and a half. But the shows really feel like different shows, different doctors with a different personality, different production teams that I've begun to see that these are more of their time and really their own show. It's sort of like it's every Sherlock Holmes series for television or a movie or uh, new novels it's its own interpretation of the central character but there's no real continuity or anything between the two and that's okay it's how this creative person is presenting the character of the doctor and it's it's like Sherlock Holmes or James Bond they're of their time they're a retelling of these central myths. It's like a retelling of a classical myth with the Greek gods or Thor and Odin and Loki with Marvel. Marvel does Thor and Loki. Yeah, but, yeah, Marvel. You know, Marvel it's does, a yes, as Guardians, yeah. Yeah, it's just a recycling of the characters. So the Doctor has been recycled many times and Chibnall has his own take on it and it's going to be interesting which showrunners in the future take this up and which showrunners just ignore it yeah i like your comparison to james bond which you know has things that run through it Mm -hmm. but every time there's a new one it's yeah it's like a reboot and the current kind of bond era you know it's interesting that the judy dench m was a was a you know was a continuity between Pierce Brosnan and Daniel Craig, but they weren't operating in the same world, no. um, in the same universe. It was it was completely different. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think part of the fun of Doctor Who is the lack of canon and the lack of continuity and trying to kind of retcon all this stuff together. That's what makes the show kind of fun. But I think, yeah, I think you may be onto something that we may have stumbled into a multiverse at this point, um, whereby it's all different. It's no longer possible for it to make internal sense, even if you, even if you're Lance Parkin or someone and, you know, you just run your your entire life trying to fit all this stuff together. It's probably no longer possible. Whether or not it's possible, it's it's not desirable, I think. You become too straight-jacketed trying to make this fit in a perfectly linear sense because it's a series of time travel just due to the nature of it's now coming up to 60 years of it traveling through time and changing society. You show Doctor Who flux to someone who had just finished watching the first Dalek story. 
they would not see other than the TARDIS. Where's the continuity? I There is no continuity between this and Unearthly Child and the Daleks. That There just isn't. Other than you have a police box and you have a character that identifies as the Doctor. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think that's a that's a strong... That's a strong piece of analysis that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of disappointing in some ways. I mean, you know, we, we were critical of Moffat mm-hmm. for his attempt to win Doctor Who yeah. by, you know, getting it all to work. We were very critical of that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think the whole Chib thing where, like, actually, I'm not even going to bother. Um, uh, I don't know. I, may, I, I maybe even find that, even that, that even less satisfying, to be honest. Mm. There's a carelessness to all of this, um, which again is part of this kind of fan service thing. That okay, we'll just give people what we think they want, and right. we won't even really bother to have it make. Uh, obviously, it makes no external sense, but it's not really going to make any internal sense either. We're just going to give it to them, mm-hmm. which is very Marvel movie like. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a, which is also again like this, this idea of the video game. Yeah. It's here's here's a challenge. Let's overcome it. Let's run. Let's jump. Let's have a CGI landscape. Let's talk and stop for thirty seconds, and then let's go straight into the next into the next challenge. That's what it is, and I think that is on the surface satisfying, but it's not particularly satisfying in any. I mean, I don't. There was no a real sense of. of the, there are two episodes um, in flux: episode two, War of the Sontarans, and episode four, Village of the Angels, where. I felt a sense of jeopardy and interest and concern and engagement hmm. um, with what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think probably is a coincidence that those were the two episodes that I think really were the most kind of self-supporting and could, with a little bit of tweaking, be in a regular season of Doctor Who. They didn't really necessarily have to connect. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that I, that I really enjoyed mm-hmm. and were pleased by. I think they had their problems, um, but you know, there's no doc- episode of Doctor Who that isn't, has got has got some weakness to it. To mm-hmm. be honest, the rest of it kind of washed over me. I mean, like a flux might do. Yeah, <laughs> washed through you. <laughs> washed through me as a flux might might happen if I'd eaten a dodgy, you know, um, some kind of dodgy Cornish pasty from Greg's. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> ooh, no. <laughs> So, uh, well, let's do episode by episode. Okay. So, the Halloween apocalypse. All right. The Doctor and Yaz follow Carbonista, a Lupari, to Liverpool, where he abducts Dan Lewis. Meanwhile, the Swarm escapes from his imprisonment by the Division. While in Liverpool, the Doctor and Yaz meet Claire, just before a weeping angel sends her back to 1965. On Carvinista's ship, Yaz rescues Dan while the Doctor confronts Carvinista over his connection to the Division. But Carvinista tells her the Lupari are actually saving humanity from Earth's destruction by the Flux. In a remote space outpost, the Flux causes Vinder to flee its destruction just before it accelerates towards the Earth. The Lupari ships form a shield to protect the Earth, but the TARDIS is overtaken by the Flux with the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan inside. That's a lot for 60 minutes right there. Yeah, um, that's that's too much for 60 minutes. We do introduce Claire and Vinder, which are good. So say each one of those takes five minutes. You're down 10 minutes. You have to introduce Swarm and 
his sister. I didn't understand why Swarm was in prison, but his sister was living with some schmuck in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, I don't know, mate. Yeah, okay. Um, who would imprison them and why? The, the division, I mean, I know why, the division they're, they're imprisoned evil. them. Why? Because I guess the doctors, we find out the doctor's mom, Tacitin, is in charge of the division and uh, the division is between the multiverses in the space between the multiverse in the in, right, in right, uh, right, right. Gallifrey and space station. Okay, cool, cool. That I, I you know, this is all f- f- uh, knowledge that's revealed in later episodes. But for this first part of Flux, it sets up a lot. It keeps churning along. I just think watching it all at once i saw no reason not to keep watching i think if i was seeing this for a week uh, the more it would just bother me i think sort of like well uh, there's too much there's just the doctor is obsessed by the division now and she has right uh, and i guess she's keeping that from jazz and we're supposed to see that as dramatic yeah i'm I'm not going to disagree with any of that you know, I watched this on a weekly basis mm-hmm. like a year ago. Yeah. And as I said, I only really, really, really remember small bits of any of this. I guess it was it was really propulsive. It was like, okay, or well, okay, what's going to happen next then? Mm-hmm. Which is good. Okay, what, what, you know, you, but I think, again, you know, it, it was starting to fall into that trap of a lot of, a lot of, you know, modern serialized drama that it is all about what happens next. Yes. And you never really get a chance. Okay, that thing happened and it was resolved. It's no, no, that, this thing is happening and it's happening because the thing that's going to happen next is happening. Mm-hmm. Why don't we go look at that for a bit? And it's, it's, but you never, you never get to sit down and kind of absorb what just happened. It's all mm-hmm. about what it's all, it's all set up and it's no, there's no, it's, it's there's, there's no punchline. Mm-hmm. It's all set up. It's all setting up a joke without actually telling you what's funny. There's no punchline. It's all set up. They introduced a lot of characters. Probably chief most would be the Dan Lewis uh, Yeah, he's a good character. character. He's nice. Chibnall employs several devices to make Dan a likable guy. He's volunteering in a food pantry. He's giving free (laughs) uh, tours in the Liverpool Museum. He comes across as a generally nice guy. If this was RTD, he's so nice, I'm sure he would be dead by the end of the series because that's the way RTD works. He he sets up characters that are really likable only to off them in the next few episodes. Which is good, and we like that about RTD. Um, I forgot about the food bank. <laughs> no, yeah, he could have been a good guy just because he volunteers at the museum. Right. Um, to have him also volunteer at the food bank, it's like, Jesus, Like, do you actually have a job? Um, no, like, he, he doesn't you, have a job. He's well, he's he unemployed doesn't. and he has no food. That's the other little bit that. Uh, <sighs> yeah. yeah, I mean, um, it, too, it's, it was too it's much. Ladled on too a much. lot. Yeah, okay. yeah. His character is established through his hobbies, um, which <laughs> uh, I suppose is a pretty good way to establish someone's character. But I don't know. He's. I mean, he's a very he's a very likable actor. Mm-hmm. His teeth bothered me. This is probably the first time I'll mention oh, really? teeth, but his teeth seem weird to me. His teeth seem John Bishop's teeth. Um, let's just quickly look, quick, quickly look at them online. Yes, you're right. He does have weird-looking teeth. What is wrong with his teeth? They seemed oversized for his mouth. 
they do seem big, don't they? I mean, I suppose if you have big teeth, there's not much you can do about that. Um, I mean, there's no such thing as tooth reduction surgery, is there? So, yeah, no, he's got big teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, has he had them whitened like yes. like, uh, like Simon yes. Cowell? Yes. Yes, he has. Should he have done that? No, he shouldn't. He should have kept his teeth. <laughs> he should have made them less in his mouth rather than more. You're, it's, you're it's right. It's fine, but th- that was it's the fine. thing. He's got the, big teeth. The yes, personal sorry. trait or the... Uh... The appearance trait that leapt out at me is, whoa, tone, uh, turn down the teeth a little bit. Uh, yeah, check out the teeth on that. It's too much. I agree. His teeth are weird. <laughs> what else? Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the costume from Carbonista is obviously very expensive because we never see another Lupari on the screen <laughs> at the same time. You know who he reminded me of and not in a good way? Hmm. The big dog creature thing um the garm yes the garm in terminus yes <laughs> like if only they'd said like yes it's a garm i would have gone yes cool it's a garm i'm happy now mm-hmm. um the fact that it was a whole new species of weird dog aliens made me very unhappy mm. so i mean just a simple three or four words you needed the fan service i i, I needed my own personal fan service i didn't <laughs> want to have to i don't like dogs i don't want to have to deal with it with like a dog race mm. You're not a fan of dogs. I really can't stand dogs. I like cats. I don't like dogs. Sorry, mm-hmm. sue me. I mean, I, I'm, you know, please cancel me for that. I, I'd love that. And um, I don't want to deal with a whole new race of dog aliens, especially one that is like bonded to me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't find that to be to be something that in, that's enjoyable. Um, if it, if they'd been garms, yeah, I'd have been all over that. But there you go. I think fandom would have been over that too, just like when we had the Movellans briefly appear in yes. the pilot with uh, yes. Bill's introductory story. And also, to be honest, hanging around mysteriously and protecting people is what the Garm does yeah. anyway, sort yeah. of. And and this is what, I mean, Carbonista starts by doing hanging around mysteriously and protecting people. It ends up being like an irritating dog species. But, you know, could have been Garms. Could have been Garms. Anyway, whatever. I'll have to say... In terms of costume design and fabrication, the Lupari were, sorry, Carvinista, the single representation of Lupari, was not a lot more convincing than the Garm. <laughs> more mobile than the Garm, though. Slightly more mobile, but no less a man in a dog suit. Mm-hmm. Or woman, but I'm going to say man in this in this instance. I think it was a man, yeah. Um, yes, I think it was a man, yes. Um, yes, Craig Ells. I'm just mm-hmm. Craigie Ells. I just looked that up. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, not good, good eyes for Carvinista, though. So I assume those aren't are animatronic. I think those were the actor's eyes, and I thought that did a lot with the eye rolls and yeah. looking askew. I mean, I'd, I'd have had if you're going to have a series, if you're going to have like dog aliens, like have a whole bunch of different kinds of dogs, like <laughs> a German Shepherd alien <laughs> and like a Chihuahua alien and like a Jack Russell alien Ooh, and corgis. you know a corgi alien. They're popular at the moment, corgis. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have an alien that's like has really short legs, <laughs> like a corgi does. Uh, I don't know. Just do that. Yeah, yeah. Like big ears. If you were making this standalone, this was a new series like Farscape or something like that. You would yeah. have different types of dogs, and they would be in the ship together, and you would have a bigger costume budget. It's just they'd be smelling each other's bottoms and doing all the stuff <laughs> that dogs like to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they have interesting greetings. Eating stuff that they find in the gutter, you know, uh, that kind of oof. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. dogs 
Dogs are uncouth. They are uncouth. I'm sorry. I mean, you, 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 you don't have a dog, do you? Of course, no. you don't have a dog. You, you don't like dogs either, right? Uh, my son definitely doesn't like dogs. I, I'm with him on that one. My, I grew up with dogs. Uh, with my mom always having oh, okay. dogs. I'm, I'm indifferent. They're a lot of work. I don't want to walk and clean up after them. No, and again, I mean, you could have had, you know, um, you know, I don't know. Yes, Carbonista could have demanded a walk. Like every mm-hmm. ten seconds, which would have been I'm, amusing. Uh, yeah, anyway. I'm generally not uh, on board with pets, uh, aside from guinea pigs. Guinea pigs are pretty cool. Guinea but, pigs are awesome. Uh, I'd be totally on board with the race of guinea pig aliens. Um, oh yeah. Which I think they did. They have guinea pig aliens in um, the New Adventures, the Virgin New. Mm, I think they know. were guinea pig aliens. Hmm. Um, uh, uh, maybe our listener can write in and and tell me whether I'm correct about that, or maybe not. Mm-hmm. Don't bother. But yeah. All right. So cool. Well, that's the first episode demolished. War of the Santarans. Yes. Uh, in Crimea War era Sevastopol, the Santarans have replaced the Russians, and the Doctor meets Mary Seacole and General Logan. The Fluxus effects send Dan back to present day Liverpool and Yaz to the temple where Vinder is, full of dying priests. Dan sneaks into the Santaran shipyard with the help of his parents. Swarm arrives at the temple, which is on the planet Time, kills the priest, and takes Yaz and Vinder hostage. The doctor has Mary Seacole spy on the Santaran camp, then attempts to negotiate with the Santarans, but she is arrested by Logan. The Santarans destroy the British army, and the doctor regroups Logan and a few British survivors to disrupt the recharging of the Santaran ships, based on the intelligence gathered by Mary Seacole. Logan goes a step further and blows the ships up. Meanwhile, the Santarans discover Dan, but in a nick of time, Carvanista rescues him and then destroys the shipyard. The Doctor recovers the TARDIS, collects Dan, but they are hijacked to the temple where Swarm is about to kill Yaz and Vinder. I like this one. Um, I like the Crimean War setting. That's a fun one. Uh, the whole Charge of the Light Brigade thing. Um, Mary Seacole's... Was C. Logan head of the Light Brigade? No, Logan's a made-up person. Okay. Uh, Mary Seacole, obviously, not a made-up person. She's cool and interesting. Um, I mean, I think the jury's out on whether she's better or worse than Florence Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, she's, she's, she's an equivalent of some kind, which is fun. I really, really liked the Sontaran on a horse. <laughs> That was good. And I probably can forgive this episode pretty much everything for having Sontarans riding around on horses. That is brilliant. And that is all really for me from, for this episode. There was way too much happening. So I really, I was concentrating on the things that I found, that I found fun, which was basically Sontarans on horses. Mm-hmm. I liked Mary Seacole. I did not know of this uh, person in history. And she was a good introduction that I think Chibnall does well with these people from history that may not be Charles Dickens or William Shakespeare. And I think with Mary Seacole, the reason probably why I haven't heard about her, it comes down to race. She is of uh, British Jamaican heritage, while Florence Nightingale is a white woman. Yeah, I mean, I will will say two things to that, one of which is uh, Mary Seacole's in the national curriculum. Mm. So certainly if you've been at school in Britain, as far as I understand, at secondary school in Britain over the past couple of decades or so, you've heard of Mary Seacole. So she's not a surprise to any kids watching or even teenagers. I would be be surprised if they did. Oh, yeah, that's the woman that we had to Mm -hmm. learn about in school. Great. 
But, I mean, great that she's getting introduced to an American audience. That's good. Right. Um, I don't like the whole Chibnall introduction, Jody speech, where the doctor goes, it's Mary Seacole, the famous Jamaican right. nurse person who was in the Crimean War, who looked after everybody. It was much better than, than Florence Nightingale. Mm-hmm. And that whole kind of like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, right, there we go. Um, it's, you know, it's like, I, I know why they do it mm-hmm. because otherwise you're not going to, well, Americans, you're not going to know who the <laughs> hell this person is, or maybe just don't do it at all. Just have adventurous, pleasant right. Jamaican woman helping people out in the Crimean war. Just have, what was that? I think she can introduce herself as Mary Seacole. This is the British hotel and fans and viewers will go to wikipedia and read more about her if they care they don't need to be told why they should care this sort of like this is a character unexpected for at least from my perspective i'm gonna go read more about her um if you do the whole thing oh you're famous because this and this and this you're right it's sort of like well that's really annoying that's an annoying (laughs) trait that Chibnall is given Whitaker's doctor. And it is a genuinely annoying trait. It's not like I'm just, you know, I'm not just like just being annoyed for the, for the hell of it. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. actually annoying. Mm-hmm. And I think the doctor's companions would, should also find it annoying too. And I think they should all be, always be saying to her, stop doing that. That's annoying. It's time for an intervention. <laughs> we know who she is. We went to school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, yeah. We meet Dan Lewis's mom and dad. That's true. In this episode. Oh, yeah, that's true. And they're, they're very from Liverpool, which is, <laughs> uh-huh. I guess, fun. So. Do you think the doubling down on, on the Scouse and keep calling Dan a Scouse and stuff, is that is that normal? <laughs> normal. Um, I don't know. I've, I've not spent a lot of time in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because of my ancestry, I prefer Manchester. Mm. Uh, they are kind of like that, as I understand. Okay. I often feel there's an equivalence between Liverpool and New Orleans. It has a very kind of distinctly different maritime culture that endlessly likes mm-hmm. to talk about itself, um, which, it, which mm. it should do because it's an interesting and different culture but for people who aren't from there it can become a bit tedious quite quickly Mm -hmm. so apologies to anyone from new orleans or liverpool who's listening to this but you know Uh, it's just my opinion uh, about two minutes into the first episode i rewound turned on subtitles because i could not make out the dialogue at all so for the entire oh, it was too scouse for uh, not necessarily to sheffield to yorkshire with whitaker it just i just I really struggle without RP, I guess, um, understanding. And it could be the the sound mix with Sagan Akinola's music in the background, but right. I, I found it really hard to follow the dialogue, follow the slang. And this was a passing thought. I wonder if English, uh, UK regional English, and American English are diverging a little bit because I find it pretty no, I mean, hard to li- understand. I mean, Liverpoolians are hard to understand. Mm. I mean, that's fine. Okay. If you want to see some um, mean comedy about 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 people from Liverpool, um, just Google the Harry Enfield show, The Scousers, okay. from about thirty years, no, about twenty years ago, about thirty years ago, mm-hmm. actually, Harry, Harry, the original Harry Enfield show. It is a very funny skit with mm-hmm. people from Liverpool. Uh, just talking, just talking like this all the time, you know. But again, I mean, the Beatles were from Liverpool, so I mean, who who am I to who am I to to to, to critique uh, the Fab Four and the place that they're from? 
I can see why you might have found it hard to understand what the hell they were going on about. All right. So, yeah, I watched this entirely with subtitles on from episode one through episode six. And that's the first time I ever had to do that for Doctor Who. Well, well, okay. That's a damning indictment. (laughs) I don't know if damning, just old ears. (laughs) Don't know. Don't know. Uh, anything more on the Santarans before we skip nah, on? No, nah, they, they look they look sweet. I like the where they, they were kind of grubby mm-hmm. and kind of warlike. Um, and I did like the kind of whoa, it's the Santaran Empire that they're trying to fight against, not the Russians. I thought it was perfect that they replaced the Russians with the Santarans, especially in light of their invasion of Ukraine. I thought that was a nice piece of foreshadowing. Yes, uh, Chibnall Chibnall nailed that one. <laughs> He did, he did. And it was very pleasurable, and I liked it a lot. I mean, I totally would be on for reading an entire series of novels based around the Santorans fighting the British Empire in the mm-hmm. Crimea. I think that's that's a great sci-fi concept, and 10 out of 10 full marks for coming up with that one. Did you think it was a weakness that they all were on the same break schedule? What do you mean? You have to remind me, is that some happening? Well, okay, so every 27 hours they need to recharge for seven minutes. And rather than stagger this out, so you have maybe a quarter of your soldiers recharging at any one time and the rest fighting or on duty, you have everyone on Well, I mean, it's, it's on the same I schedule. Mean, monsters typically, they have a weakness. And mm-hmm. I guess as monsters return over and over again, their weaknesses pile up on each other, like the Cybermen and their kind of cascading weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe this is a particular era in the history of the Sontarans where they've decided to do that. They think that's a good idea. Maybe, I mean, this is always a cop-out, I think, but I think a useful one for, for monsters. Like, they're so arrogant in their self-belief that they don't believe that that's a problem. Yeah, they were behind an invisibility shield. Yeah, they did have... Camouflage shield. Yeah, they did have that as well, um, which obviously mm-hmm. works in some way. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's something that they should look at okay. going forward. And then what do you think of Yaz and Vinder being batteries for the Maori? Maori? Um, I don't, they weren't the Maori. I, I don't know what that <laughs> is. I've forgotten that. So, yeah, I, oh, okay. I guess that wasn't good. Or maybe it was. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, moving in, uh, we get uh, Once Upon Time... The Doctor jumps into the Temple's time storm and stalls Swarm by hiding Dan, Yaz, and Vinder in their past. Vinder is demoted after revealing the Grand Serpent's crimes. Bell journeys through the destruction left by the Flux in a Lupari ship evading Daleks, Cybermen, and Santarans. The Doctor jumps into her own time stream and recovers past memories of the Division. The Time Priests separate the Doctor from her past to protect her. Bell reveals she is Vinder's pregnant lover. The Doctor fixes the time stream, returning Yaz and Dan to the present and dropping off Vinder on his flux-ravaged home planet, just before a weeping angel intercepts the TARDIS. Yeah, I, I, you're asking me what I felt about this one? I have no idea. Um, I, I, can't really rem- <laughs> I can't really remember it. Um, I, There's a bridge episode. It's, it's the bridge, bridge between the Santarans and the angels focusing in on the temple and all yep. the interweaving yep. uh, past streams. And it was introduced to Belle, uh, the girlfriend of Vinder, and uh, the Grand Serpent, which uh, I got a lot of uh, Tim Shaw vibes from, honestly. He did, get, he did give, give off Tim Shaw vibes. You're right. 
And Ashad, the lone Cyberman vibe. I mean, yeah, a lot of very effectively played, but yeah, I get the feeling that um, whoever who plays the Grand Cyberman, I can't remember his name. Get the impression that Chibnall just wanted him to be in the show. Um, It's Craig Parkinson. Parkinson. Is he in something that Chibnall had done before? You know, I think he might be. Wait a second, let's look him up on the internet. Um, Dazel and Pasco, The Bill, No Angels, Lead Balloon, Whitechapel, Misfits, Lion of Duty, Duty. Indian Summers, Black Mirror. Yeah, he's one of those guys who's kind of arrived on the scene since I left. So I guess he's popular. He's got like a big, long, Mm -hmm. big, long face, which people like, don't they? Hmm. Do they? Very stylish with the... uh, Stephen Toast hair swirl. Oh, Stephen Toast has. You know what? Yeah, the other vibe he gave off. He gave off like a swarm and azure vibe, hmm. like kind of well dressed, distinctive facial features, like a long face with a swirl in his hair, mm-hmm. and then some like embroidery. He was like a he was mm-hmm. like a proto, a proto swarm of some kind. It's convenient that azure is called azure because because they're all blue. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what, what if the name came before or after. They decided for them to be all blue. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean that's all I can remember about that. Uh, I disappointed with Joe Martin, wondering what the hell was going on with the Grand Serpent, um, mm-hmm. wondering why I was being asked to be concerned about Vinda and Vinda's girlfriend, yeah, or Bell well, and Bell's boyfriend. However, you want to. Yeah, example. we already talked about this, but Joe yeah. Martin should have been used heavily in this. This should have been the Joe Martin episode rather than have her flicker on. I. I don't even think she got a minute's worth of screen time. Bad. Bad. It's a misuse of the character. I would have had the actor have more screen time. It's a waste, actually, of a really good actor and a really good character. I think it's done from a point of insecurity. You really are telling the story of Joe Martin's doctor raiding the temple, defeating the swarm, but you whitewash it with Jodie Whittaker in the role and I think you would have been a lot better if you had switched that mix around the unfortunate thing for I think Chibnall or the BBC's time is Jodie Whittaker is on an abbreviated season here it's not 10 episodes it's not 13 episodes so every minute that you have her on contract and not being on screen you're also wasting money it's not like you have to break up the production block because you're trying to get so many stories or parts yeah films so there's no point in doing a dr light no agreed 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 it's a shame shame it's a shame and i i mean i i don't think i don't know what plans um obviously i've got no idea what plans um rtd has for rtd2 but uh you know maybe he'll bring back Jodie Whittaker, mm. I don't think he will because I think he's got his own mm-hmm. plans going on. So, which is a shame. Which means we're, we're basically well, done. Of Jodie Whittaker, we don't. Uh, yeah. Joe, Joe well, Martin. Joe Martin's already making big finish, and I think it'd be unlikely that she'd be doing. Big yeah, finish which is if she was. Yeah, you're making. If you're making big finish, it means that you're done with the TV. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically yeah. how it works. I think. I guess uh, apart from David Tennant. Um, I did have difficulty understanding if Vinder was with the Joe Martin doctor or if he had some double that he was swapping in and back and forth with. I'm not sure who Yaz was swapping back and forth with when we and we were told that Carvanista and Dan were interchangeable. It was actually Carvanista, not Dan there. But I don't know who the other two were. I guess Vinder was with the fugitive doctor but 
who was Yaz interchanged with? Um, we don't know. I, I, I neither know or, or actually remember that that was even a thing. So, um, yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, all right. Don't know. Can't uh, help with that one. Um, someone write in and tell us. <laughs> our listener, maybe our listener knows. Or cares. Or cares. Carry uh, on. The cliffhanger, to wrap this up short, this is uh, uh, the angel has the TARDIS. Interesting, I guess. Sets up the village of the angels, so I guess move on to that. Yes, let's move on to that. The doctor forces the weeping angel out, but strands the TARDIS in a village in 1967 where Professor Jericho runs psychic experiments on Claire. A weeping angel sends Yaz and Dan back to 1901 Metterton, where they find a missing girl named Peggy. The doctor, Claire, and Jericho barricade themselves in his basement, but Claire reveals she is turning into a weeping angel. The doctor discovers the weeping angel in Claire's mind is hiding from the other weeping angels who are after it because it knows about the division. Jericho interrupts and the group escapes through a tunnel surrounded by weeping angels. Jericho is sent back to 1901. The rogue angel reveals it's offered the doctor to the other weeping angels in exchange for its own safety. The doctor is then transformed into a weeping angel, stranding the others in 1901. Meanwhile, Bell lands on the planet Puzano and leaves a message for Binder. What a what a succinct write-up that was. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, uh, so Weeping Angel, Village of the Angels. This one resonated with you. Yeah, I liked it. Um, I thought it was creepy. I mean, the angels are tricky yeah. to do um, because they really only do one thing and that thing isn't that scary. Mm-hmm. And the reason why everyone thinks they're scary is because their first episode was scary, but I don't know. So, they're, they're, But I thought this, this scarified them very well. Mm-hmm. I liked that we seem to be getting an explanation of what the angels actually were, that they had something to do with the Time Lords or something. Did they? can't remember. I think the way we understand it is the division uses all species throughout time and why, of course, wouldn't they use the angels for temporal extraction because that's what they naturally do. That's what they do. So I thought that was good. I thought it was a nice, good good explanation. Um, I thought the doctor turning into an angel, that was like, whoa, what's going to happen next? And nothing. and nothing. It was a transportation device. Yeah. But, but I thought, well, like, whoa. Okay. Anyway, yeah. What did you think of the actor who played young Peggy? The Always a risk when you have a child actor? I thought the young Peggy was fine. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't remember her particularly. Poppy Polvinick? So I, I, I assumed that she didn't grate on me in any particular way because mm-hmm. I, I think that yeah. was fine. Did well. I think she was fine. Um, she was good. Remember Hyde, the episode with Matt Smith and Clara? Yes. Were there in the pocket universe? Yes. That's what this reminded me of. Yes. It had the old nutty professor doing psychic research. Exactly. Instead of the metabolist crystal, we're dealing with angels. Um, Generic pastime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blink really was scary. This, I think the angels have run out of their scariness for me i can see how that would be the case i think giving the angels an explanation you know okay what are the why do they do the thing that they do oh it's the division that's mm-hmm. kind of hired them to do this or i don't know appointed them or is controlling them somewhere that made sense i like that um you know i like a kind of quatermass village that's all good mm-hmm. and i like the doctor turning into an angel because i thought that was going to end up to be something really interesting and of course it, it wasn't but um still 
it was kind of creepy and cool. I thought, great, that's going to that's make a great action figure. They did a good introduction of Jericho, especially since he is going to be a companion, I think, effectively, of the Whitaker Doctor for the remainder of the, the series. The rest of the season, yeah. 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 Uh, Claire, what did you make of Claire? Um, I thought she was fine. And we have this weird graded dreamscape where they're on this spit water on both sides where the doctor is talking to the angel with the angel with a hand on Claire using her as the mouthpiece of the angel and negotiating so <laughs> yeah it was again I'm yeah I don't know I mean I'm 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 just dredging up you know what 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 I am mm-hmm. what what I have retained this is what I have retained yeah it's the problem with these throw everything in in the kitchen sink uh, video game type stories is there's so much in there and what does remain does the core narrative remain or uh certain you know uh, set pieces or what remains so the big takeaway for you is the doctor turning into the angel which leads right into the survivor of the flux right where it's a big nothing it's it's the doctor's form of transportation so moving on to survivors of the flux The Weeping Angels transport the Doctor to the Division where she meets her adoptive mother, Tacitin. Tacitin reveals the multiverse and that the Division is orchestrating the Flux to kill the Doctor for interfering with their plans. In 1904, Yaz, Dan, and Professor Jericho travel around the globe searching for artifacts and psychics to decipher when the world will end. They meet Joseph Williamson who has discovered several doorways in time and space beneath Liverpool. Meanwhile, the Grand Serpent infiltrates Unit as an officer, eliminating those who pose a threat to him. He deactivates all Unit planetary defenses, allowing the Santarans to enter Earth after being threatened by Kate Stewart. Vinder is caught by Swarm, who traps him in a passenger. There, he meets Dan's friend Diane. The Doctor watches helplessly as Swarm arrives and then disintegrates Tacitin think that's it we also meet williamson officially who has all the tunnels underneath yeah, the, his house yeah. uh, underneath liverpool but going back chimno reveals in his dwm interview that he was adopted and he makes the doctor's adopted mother effectively a baddie and i just wonder the whole idea that chimno wanted was the doctor be adopted because he was adopted but making the mom the baddie there's some there's some baggage there some chibnall baggage yeah i mean could be i don't know i mean mm-hmm. you know it's it's not written deep enough for me to i mean at this point i was so massively disappointed that the doctor hadn't literally turned into a weeping angel that i kind of wrote off this episode a little bit because i was kind of uh, pissed off at the beginning and then i lost interest um i didn't really understand what the grand serpent was up to or why Right. That literally didn't make any sense to me. Um, we never find out how the Grand Serpent gets to Earth either, I think. Or why is... the Grand Serpent is doing what the Grand Serpent is doing and w- right. where they've come from and what's their motivation for coming there to mm-hmm. Earth and then infiltrating UNIT for like a long time. There right. seems to be a lot of motivation other than kind of I'm evil. I mean, again, without being all what's the word fanny or something um like if the grand servant had been the master mm-hmm. okay master obviously doesn't have a lot of motivation but at least he has or she 
has motivation built up over many decades mm-hmm. of being a bad guy. Right. Um, that we, yeah, okay. That's, oh, and has that, a bone to pick with Unit, too. The, yeah. the, the Master definitely has a grudge against Unit. That's the kind of stuff the Master gets up to. Doesn't make any right. sense, but it doesn't have to because that's the kind of stuff they do. So if this had mm-hmm. been Sasha or actually any other Master, or even just someone who was... Sasha. Yeah, if you yeah. mean Sasha. Sasha's, I mean, I, I could watch Brilliant. Sasha read the telephone directory if, if that is still a thing that they have. Mm-hmm. He's amazing, and I, I'm very excited to see that he's back in um, this month. Um, but to have, like, you know, long face man with, with, with the hair, with the Stephen Toast hair mm-hmm. do things, it's like, why are you doing those things? Stop it. Yeah. I, I've never seen you, I've never seen you before. In all the history of Unit. It seemed like an extra extra character. character. Yeah. It's there to put depth, I guess, to Vinder's story. Just making Vinder's story just more complicated does not add depth to it. It just makes it more complicated. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess you need someone on the inside to betray Earth to... Captain Mike Yates. uh, Allow the Santarans to come back. Just 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 bring Captain Yates back. (laughs) I, I like your idea of the master. I think if it would have been revealed it's that the Grand Serpent was the master because you had the master already being snake-like in the TV movie, if you really wanted to do fan service there. Again, just as if Carbonist had been revealed as a garm, if the Grand Serpent <laughs> has been revealed as like, you know, another... He could he, he just, another... You, you, can, you can keep the same actor. I mean, if you want Mr. Longface Man it, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but just call him the master, and he's like a pre... He's the master and have him get kidnapped by the Daleks at the end and turned into a space He's snake. the division's master. Exactly. Uh, a rogue d- division agent, if you want to tie everything together. There you go. It's all, it's, as usual, at this point in the, po- in the podcast, <laughs> we're starting to write the show better than the people who write it write it. Mm. Um, well, if you're going to throw everything in a series, why not throw the master to Especially it? if I mean, you have like a, you know, a kick-ass master like, um, like Sasha... Sasha, yeah. bleh, I can't remember his second name. Anyway, like Duan, like Duan yeah, like like he's yeah. a really good master who I like and I want to see more of. Yeah. So for the penultimate episode, I think I might have would have tried to switch the order and have Village of the Angels lead into the Vanquishers rather than the Survivors of the Flux. And obviously, you'd have to rejigger the story quite a bit, but this didn't feel like a penultimate episode where the stakes were so high and how the doctor's going to get over or solve all this. It was more the doctor watches her mom being fluxed away by Swarm. And we already set up this contentious relationship between the doctor and her adoptive mom and then you effectively blow her away at the end as a cliffhanger. I, um, yeah, I misuse of Tacitan. You know, you you have a Rassilon like type character, and you dissolve her. Yeah, I, I again, I didn't really know what was going on here, and I certainly can't remember what I thought was going on here, which I didn't really know. So, yeah, I mean. <sighs> Yeah, I mean it's you know it's a Marvel movie ending. It's like a it's an effects climax where everything I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And recycling of the Fobwatch prop to store all the Doctor's memories. I I think I would have done a confession dial rather than a Fobwatch. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. 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 If you're loading on nonsense continuity, I would have left uh, left back to. Uh, the confession dial rather than 
the fob watch because the confession dial is more where you would have put of all your memories. Fob watch is more where you put your personality. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It's, it's a MacGuffin. It is. The whole thing is uh, one giant MacGuffin. So the final final episode, The Vanquishers, the Doctor splits herself into three copies. Azure toys with the first Doctor copy by tempting her with a fob watch containing her lost memories. Yaz, Dan, Professor Jericho, and Joseph Williamson travel to 2021 and meet Kate Stewart and the second Doctor copy, who then sends Claire and Jericho to the Santarans and takes her TARDIS from Kate. The third doctor crashes Bell's ship into the Santaran command. The Santarans kill all the Lupari and remove the third copy, whom the second then rescues. The Santarans offer an alliance with the Cybermen and Daleks, a trick to sacrifice them to the Flux, while the Lupari shield protects them behind it. Claire escapes from the Santarans, but Jericho cannot. The two Doctor copies rescue Vinder and Diane and reform the Lupari shield behind the Santarans. The Flux then destroys the Santaran fleet with Professor Jericho on one of their ships. The Cybermen and Daleks are also consumed, but then the Flux is absorbed by a passenger. Azure and Swarm bring the first Doctor copy to Atropos to sacrifice her to time, but time destroys the villains and reunites the three Doctor copies. Using the tunnel doors, Kate and Vinder maroon the Grand Serpent on a small asteroid. Vinder and Bell decide to travel the universe with Carvanista. Diane refuses Dan's date offer. The Doctor invites Dan to join her and Yaz in the TARDIS, where she deposits her lost memories deep inside its interior. Yeah, there you go. Wham, bam, three Doctors. It's the three Doctors. There's, and there's just three of them. I mean, yeah. That would have been a good place to have Joe Martin in a guest appearance from... From, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi, yeah, why not? David Tennant or... Yeah. Eccleston, because Eccleston in... That would have really uh, put the cat among the pickings. Yeah, and then, I, and then I think really I wouldn't have noticed how unsuccessful it all was because I would have been staring at actually three doctors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that would have been a better way to gloss over the lack of story that was going on or the too much story that was going on because you're amazed uh, at seeing two re- three really good actors mm. do some things so by this point i i, I sort of checked out so mm. I'm, i don't have a huge amount to say well, this is hour six for me this is week six for you uh yeah i think my one takeaway at this point i didn't like the doctor going all amy pond with herself and thinking she was cute and flirting with herself i I didn't see that in the character coming up, and I sure didn't. <laughs> I didn't appreciate it. I guess perfect for Amy. Not so sure it's good for with a Whitaker Doctor. As for the resolution of the story, yeah, okay, the Santarans. I thought this gave them uh, underscored the uh, credibility of them invading Gallifrey way back in the Invasion of Time. I would expect the Daleks to be this cunning, but it's nice to see the Centaurans, the only alien race aside from the Vardens that were able to penetrate the Gallifreyan defenses until the Master betrayed them to the Cybermen. So I thought that was good. Uh, Overall, a waste of Cybermen and Daleks, but, you know, they're there just as fodder, cannon fodder to the Flux. Yeah. 
where you've left the series for RTD, you can conceivably have no Daleks, no Cybermen, no Santarans, no Gallifrey. Uh, pretty much just the Doctor and the TARDIS, which was Chibnall's goal, a big reset. Unfortunately, I think, like the earlier reset at the end of The Timeless Children, where the Doctor escapes in a police box that wasn't the TARDIS, you could have destroyed the TARDIS. And honestly, I think you should have had the Doctor's uh, memory fob watch destroyed by the Flux. Cleaner slate that way. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think Chibnall's going to, I mean, Chibnall, I don't think RTD's going to use any of this stuff anyway, is he? Um, uh, oh, see, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, hooray, the flux is back, or hooray, it's Azure and Swarm. Yeah, I think RTD is just going to pick up where he left off, yep. honestly, from the end of time. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. I mean, he's almost, he's signaling that by having, by having you know, tenant, tenant. involved, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My 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 feeling is, I mean, my prediction is that the Moffat and Chibnall years will be pretty much ignored. Maybe a returning monster, but even then, that might be a stretch. Yeah, I mean, I'd like I'd like them to keep Sasha on as the master. That would please me. I don't know whether you know. I don't think it would please other people, mm-hmm. um, but it would certainly please me. Um, and I'm the one who matters here. Yep. But otherwise, I'm not sure there's a huge amount to keep on at this point. This ending was just, I said, it was, yeah, I, I I really didn't know what was happening. And I didn't care to find out. I didn't care enough to find out. So, sorry. Uh, I mean, apologies to anybody who, who loves loves this. So, it wasn't a satisfying conclusion. No, it was not a satisfying conclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's, I mean, okay, I mean, here's the, here's, all right, here's the last couple of sentences. Um, Vinder and Bell decide to travel with Carbonista. Diane refuses Dan's date offer. Mm-hmm. So, okay, the space people, the space people do a space thing. The people who aren't space people do a, like a really earth people thing. It's like, well, yep. uh, anyway, yeah, those two are, those two things are not equivalent mm-hmm. and they just point out how badly written all of this stuff is. What bothered me or I didn't find pleasing at the end is this introduction of the time character. I have no idea. I just don't have a, it, it didn't make any sense to me that the introduction of time and time looking like Swarm and then the Doctor and then hinting that her regeneration is nigh, it kind of seemed, oh, okay, well, this could have happened earlier, I guess. I don't know. Is it is that they've the time kills Azure and Swarm because the Flux didn't succeed? Don't know. Boo? I really don't know. Yeah, I'm, yeah, it really dropped out for me as a, as a, as an experience after the village of the angels. It sounds like pretty much the stakes were both too big and too small. I think that's my why I pulled out that those two sentences from the Wikipedia summary. It's it's too big and it's too small, mm-hmm. um, and I there's no bridge between the two. And I think mm-hmm. again, you know, if you want to reset so that the Doctor is a mysterious person traveling in a police box through the universe. That's a small thing, mm-hmm. but to have that reset be like a huge thing, like I don't know, time trying to beat space in some war of, between multiverses or whatever was happening. Right. It's just, I, yeah. I mean, yes, make the Doctor be someone that no one's heard of again. Great, mm-hmm. but to do it in that way, anyway. Yeah, it's, I, I didn't like it. Sorry. And listening to fandoms reaction about oh yes uh 
the Dr. Yaz, Yasmin, or what is it? What do they call the Thasmin, doctor? Thasmin, Thasmin, Thasmin is a thing. Uh, it, it, well, we can it, talk about that when we come to the, come okay, to the sea because devils. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> well, this, um, this is what I mean by, by kind of, you know, sort of reverse fan service. It's like, this mm-hmm. is a thing in the absence of having, of having two, in the absence of two characters, having any character, Fans have given those two characters their own wish fulfillment characters, mm-hmm. and then the show has adopted that fan fantasy, mm-hmm. which seems to me to be completely the reverse of what should happen in any well written televised or any kind of drama. To be honest, yeah. it's like it's, okay, so the groundlings wants this. do not write the script. <laughs> well, they do in this case, right? I think one can argue whether it's a good or a bad thing. Obviously, I think it's a bad thing. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think there's no argument that it's a thing is this is something fans came up with and Shibla went yeah fine yeah great yes that's right. that yeah we'll, we'll do that um, without have, having laid, laid any groundwork for it whatsoever through any of the past four or five years of um, writing right at all mm-hmm. and I mean again to have this is again my problem with the whole Fasmin thing I think cast the doctors as a woman great have mm-hmm. that woman be a young, attractive, blonde woman. Okay, you're kind of spiking what you're doing, even to the extent that you made the actor who has naturally dark hair dye their hair blonde. Mm-hmm. To have then that female doctor be attracted to another female, that's completely kind of, you know, within trashy fiction. That's something that happens all the time. It's not surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the doctor, even though the doctor is now female, is still attracted to young women. Um, there's actually no change at all in the character. The change would be if the if while the doctor is male, the doctor was attracted to a male companion, or in this case, while the doctor is female, the doctor is is attracted to a male character. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Right. Um, but as I said, you know, the doctor still likes you know professional women in their twenties. Is the, the is the people that the doctor likes to go out with? It's not a surprise. It's completely expected and unoriginal, and obviously comes from fans who are, you know, are not professional writers um, and generally have unoriginal thoughts, which is the reason why they don't write the show and other people do, or in this case, the other way around. Yeah, so that's my take on that. Sorry again if that sounds you know too much. That's what I think about it. I found Mandip Gill much more convincing when she was playing all the other characters that were she was substituting um in survivors of the flux than ever she's played yasmin khan i just don't buy her as a character her emotional history or arc her her probably best story i thought was can you hear me which had that really a sucky ending with uh, the doctor and Graham's cancer. So I'm not sure Mandip Gill has ever gotten a good story highlighting her as Yasmin Khan. Which is why fans have written that story in their head. And because Mm. fans of the Mm -hmm. show have a particular, the vocal fans at the moment in the show have particular interests. They've, they've written this in, but Mm -hmm. as I said, you know, it's not as it's not on screen. Yeah, yeah, it's not on screen. And the fact that the doctor likes professional women in their young in the in their mid twenties is completely what the doctor's always liked. 
all mm-hmm. the way from maybe not Patrick Troughton, but certainly from John Pertwee onwards. Yeah, I think Patrick Troughton, definitely. I mean, he I mean, was... Patrick, I mean, the second Doctor, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I yes, I mean, Zoe, I think, was a lot, was, I think, in her late teens rather than her mid-20s. Um, yeah. and well, s- Victoria was a teenager, too. Yeah, similar, s- similar, similar with, but I mean, I think those two characters were designed to be more direct kind of audience identifiers in terms of kind of children. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, from from Joe Grant onwards, these this is these are the kind of girls that, that the Doctor fancies. Yep. So it's not it's not a surprise. It's not something radical. It's actually something dull and boring because it's it's the Doctor just hasn't hasn't changed their sexual preference at all. Anyway, so yep. that's my take. Yep. It's <clears throat> yeah. So uh, yeah, there you go. I think watching it all in one go is my preferred way of watching the flux if i had watched this over six weeks i think i would have lost interest having watched it uh by the time i was in village of the angels only two more hours left it's not a big deal i'm used to sitting in my job (laughs) yeah so it would my preferred way of watching it it was it was fine about as long as watching the war games all at one go yeah this is obviously dating us. I would much rather watch the war games. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, I, I maybe I should try and watch watch the watch Flux again. But I, I have a lot of things I like to. I, you know, I, I, I would like to watch, and I, it's Flux is not high on my list of rewatches. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to revisit it anytime soon. Uh, I think this story will age well of among the Chibnall era, Whitaker era fans. I think this gives the doctor a big story arc big big story that people will go back to i think it was functional adequate it uh it's not going to win any whitaker converts but it's not going to alienate anyone who is already a fan and uh it got the job done yeah 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 um yes fine it, it's uh, up to future generation of fans to see if this will rival the big all-time stories like, I don't know, Caves of Androzani or what have you. Yeah, the kind of future, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's going to be the fans. children of the... The children uh, of... This this generation. Children generation of the Z. Generation, generation Z. Z. It's up to them, yeah. Does Britain have Generation Z? Is that the oh, I don't know what generations we have anymore, to be honest. Uh, yeah. yeah, kids. Yeah kids exactly exactly all right well thank you for listening i have been what the fluxing with ben i have been letting the flux wash over me with david Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> no thank you all right okay fine